Bill Andrews and Carol Griffiths, the spirits of history summon you back through time to stand trial in the eternal court. Your jury, the great figures of history, will judge you not on the mundane values of the New Jersey system of jurisprudence, but rather on the cosmic universal wisdom of the ages. Before Bill and Ted, this duo took a trip back in time to gain some much-needed perspective on their lives, with the help from a very unlikely source. We're still up all night, and this episode we watched Traumas Stuck on You. Hello everybody, and welcome to USA Up All Night with me, Rhonda. Hi, I'm Gilbert Godfrey, the comedian in the cupboard for USA Up All Night. In this movie, you'll see two of your favorite stars. Now, if you drink enough beer, you'll start seeing more of your favorite stars. Stay with me on USA Up All Night. Welcome to Still Up All Night, the one and only podcast dedicated to the films of USA Up All Night. I'm Travis Yates, joined by my co-host Rob Cady, and we are back in the Still Up All Night studios. Rob, welcome back to the studio. Thanks, Trav. It's great to be back. So we're also going back to Tromaville, Rob, this episode with an early trauma film stuck on you. And Rob, before we get to the movie, let's take a quick look back at pop culture when this film came out in January 1983. Rob, the top movies at the box office were Tootsie, 48 Hours, The Verdict, The Dark Crystal, and The Toy. Anything stand out for you there? Oh, all of them. But I mean, of that group, probably The Dark Crystal for me, but I do have very fond memories of The Toy as well. Yes, definitely. Um, let's see, songs topping the charts in January of 83, Men at Work's Down Under, Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney's The Girl Is Mine, Don Henley's Dirty Laundry, Hall and Oates' Maneater, and Marvin Gaye's Sexual Healing rounds out the top five. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Love it. Uh, that, that, is a, that is a top five anywhere you go yeah. <laughs> of classics. Uh, your top programs on television were 60 Minutes, Dallas, MASH, Magnum P.I., and Dynasty. And MASH would end two months later with the final episode smashing every TV record at the time with nearly 106 million viewers. And a few other pop culture notes for you, Rob. The Washington Redskins, now the Commanders, defeated the Miami Dolphins in the Super Bowl to become the champions of the strike-shortened 1982 season. Any memories of that? Not of the football season, no. I wouldn't wasn't into football at that point um but i remember the family was huge into dallas mom and dad were all about yeah. it when yeah i was JR a, and all i that. was a magnum pi guy myself I, I in fact we were talking about baby names my wife and i back when my son was was born and she, i wanted to go with magnum but she wouldn't let me <laughs> so uh, okay um <laughs> How about what was Rhonda up to? Rhonda Shear. She was appearing in TV shows like Heart to Heart in the January 18th episode Pounding Hearts. She also appeared in episodes of The Fall Guy and The A-Team in 1983. And of course, she was still eight years away from joining Up All Night. Yeah, I don't know that she was even on the radar at that point for me. 
And what was Troma up to around this time? 1983 marked the ninth year in business for Troma Entertainment. The company was founded in 1974 by Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Herz, both Yale graduates. Uh, for more on Troma's history, you can check out our episode on The Toxic Avenger, episode 16 of Still Up All Night, where we do a deep dive into the company's background. Rob, of course, Troma was built on the back of raunchy sex comedies. Our film this episode, Stuck on You, was the third of four sex comedies released by Troma between 1979 and 1983. All four movies, Squeeze Play, Waitress, Stuck on You, and The First Turn On, are available in a box set that Troma markets as The Sexy Box. <laughs> I love that. I'd love to get my hands on that. Yeah, hey oh. Um, so, Rob, let's head back to Tromaville for some early work from our Yale graduates, Kaufman and Michael Herz. Um, Rob, I found conflicting reports about when Stuck on You was actually released. Some places had 1982, some had 83. Anything definitive on your end? I, I mostly saw 83. I don't, I don't know that I saw 82, so... Yeah, in my mind, it was 83. Yeah, and I always defer to the Internet Movie Database for official information, so we're going to go with January of 83 of the film's official release date. I know it did get a New York uh, theatrical release, Trauma, of course, based out of New York. I'm not sure if it was a nationwide release. Um, so at the time, the, the big draw here in the top billing of this movie goes to Professor Irwin Corey who uh, plays, plays Judge Gabriel, and you, you might call him, you can call him, one of the fathers of alternative comedy. Corey was a stand-up comic and an actor, and the great Lenny Bruce called Corey one of the most brilliant comedians of all time. So wow. pretty, pretty big endorsement yeah, there. huge. He got into comedy in the late 1930s, and a decade later he would develop this professor gimmick that he became so <laughs> well-known for. Uh, where he was the foremost authority on uh, all sorts of random things. He regularly appeared on the Steve Allen Show and The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson during his career. But Rob, he was also blacklisted for his left-leaning political beliefs in the 1950s. And uh, Corey should have been a much bigger name, but because of the blacklist uh, you know, during the McCarthyism period, you know, I think a large portion of his career took a hit where he should have been you know, right up there with some of the big comedians of that era. Yeah, I mean, that sort of makes sense in terms of he seemed very familiar to me during the movie but nothing I could really put my finger on and you know that, that could be why you know he probably should have been a bigger presence and his unkempt look that you <laughs> see in stuck on you that was his regular look I mean yep. it wasn't just for the movie that was he would regularly appear with wild hair and real seedy suits um he passed away in 2017 at the age of 102, and there is wow. a there's a great documentary called Irvin and Fran that talks about his career and his 70 year marriage with his wife Fran. It's uh, narrated by Susan Sarandon, who was good friends with uh, Corey, and that documentary is available on YouTube, and we'll link that on our social media pages. And it's a uh, it's really neat, just a neat look. Uh, it's hilarious. I, I texted you last night after mm -hmm. I watched it, and it starts with his wife, Fran, uh, <laughs> bitching at him for, for smoking uh, pot while she sits there smoking a cigarette. So it's just, <laughs> And they're both in their 90s. So it's just really, really, really adorable. 
Love it. <laughs> Our other main actors in Stuck on You are Mark Mikulski and Virginia Penta. So Mikulski played a cop in Chud the following year, a fantastic Another New World awesome Pictures movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Made me scared of toilets for years. <laughs> Um, and he showed up in an episode of TV's The Equalizer a couple years later, and that's it for Mark Mikulski's storied Hollywood career. Rob, anything to add about Mark Mikulski here? No, really. He and Virginia both, had, you know, <laughs> weren't weren't big time actors. You know, this was <clears throat> their their heyday here. Yeah, it's almost as if they had no interest in acting and just did a favor for their low budget filmmaking friends, <laughs> Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hers. I mean, yeah, Virginia Penta, she was one and done for the movies. This was it for her, and she is pretty much a ghost online. I could not find anything on her uh, beyond this movie. Did you Did you find anything in your research? I nothing. Yeah, like, just as you indicated, a ghost. You know, and I certainly not as uh, well versed in in digging up dirt on actors as you are. But yeah, I I had no luck whatsoever. You know, I was surprised, too, because, I mean, I thought her performance was, was good in this. And the New York Times review of the movie actually calls Penta appealingly vivacious. Yeah, and that's certainly, you know, uh, along with that, she's quite attractive, too. So, yeah, I would have I, I anticipated more on her IMDb page. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, she just must not have had an, much of an interest in acting. Otherwise, you, certainly Trauma had plenty of opportunities <laughs> that, that both she and Mikulski would have ha- had opportunities in. So, uh, Patricia Tallman, who played Queen Genevieve opposite King Arthur in that uh, flashback sketch, is probably the most notable of the remaining cast. She's had bit parts in some big movies like Roadhouse, Night of the Living Dead, Army of Darkness, and get this, Rob... Tallman is also a stunt woman. She was Laura Dern's stunt double in Jurassic Park. Oh, really? Yeah. That's an interesting fact. She did stunts in Speed, Austin Powers, and plenty of others. So, yeah, fun, fun, a little yeah, fun pretty good career there. on her part. So I watched the movie on Amazon Prime, which is the remastered director's cut. Ooh. Um, and we're met by trauma founder Lloyd Kaufman sitting on the toilet in classic trauma fashion (laughs) with toilet paper stuck to him of course um and he says that the movie is based on the writing of musician tom lear and entertainer stan freeberg who both had uh some kind of political satire material okay Uh, i'm not familiar with lear or freeberg are you i am not either and and i didn't even get that i watched it on tubi instead i was unaware it was on prime and so I missed that that fun intro with Lloyd. So I'm curious too if anything that I uh, cover when we're going through the plot that that isn't in the version yeah, I yeah. watched. Yeah, yeah. We might have because uh, Kaufman said this is one of his favorite early films from Trauma, and he also several times in this little de- intro called it lovingly remastered, and he oh. kind of emphasized that. So I think he went back in at some point and really. Um, made some changes so yeah curious to see if there's differences in the in the two movies that we yeah watched. i wonder uh I, I don't remember off the top of the head how long the version i watched was relative to what you watched that could it was about an be, hour and a half yeah it was about head. the same yeah. yeah um so the film is about palimony which is essentially well it combines alimony and partner um it's essentially alimony in common law marriages people that have lived together for more than three years and uh, I believe this became a common thing in the late 1970s. So this film is likely 
one of the first, if not the first, to make it the premise of the narrative. Can you think of any other? No, that was the, especially, um, you know, they certainly called attention to that fact, and I don't remember it ever coming up in another movie. Uh, not surprisingly, and I certainly picked up on this not too far into the film. I'm sure you did too, Rob. Trauma calls this film its tribute to Mel Brooks. Yeah, I I just thought every fiber of this movie is dripping with like airplane was what it most was reminiscent of to me. But yeah, I mean the the Mel Brooks style of comedy and a pun after a pun after a pun. Yes. Yeah. Lots of sketches, over-the-top slapstick mm-hmm. comedy, very similar to what you'd find in, in a Mel Brooks movie. Well, I'm, and, and we have to briefly talk about just the opening scene it, uh, alone, the, the chaos of yes. the opening scene. We will, we'll get to that when we break down the, the plot, because yes, that is, that is a wild opening <laughs> couple minutes. Um, the movie has a host of writers credited, including Kaufman and hers, who are also credited as co-directors. The budget for the film is estimated at 150000 per IMDb. Uh, Rob, did you come across anything that contradicts that figure? No, I saw, you know, it was estimated at, yeah. at one fifty, and, and uh, they also kind of threw out some numbers in terms of what it made, and if, if that's accurate, I'm blown away. Yeah, what, what do you got? Because I, I saw <laughs> I the same. I got about $10 million. Yep. You know, there was, a, I think, a, a quote from Kaufman saying, you know, shortly after it opened, they had made like nine point six million. Yeah, that's a uh, quite the return on investment. Yeah. <laughs> if that kidding. figure is correct, um, you know, the movie is rated R, but I'm surprised as to why. Um, I mean, compared to their other films, there's hardly any nudity, at least in my cut. Uh, I don't know if that changed in yours, but I don't know if in, in a director's cut, why Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> The king of yeah, yeah, no, I, in the movies. I, I, I mean, there certainly were um, bare breasts, and and some of the the sex scenes between um, Carol and Bill were. I mean, there wasn't a lot of nudity in those, but you know, they were you know sort of naked, laying on top of one another. So maybe for that sort of you know suggestive scenery, huh. maybe it's the uh, doll on doll violence that we'll get into <laughs> here in a little bit that that gave or it the all the allusions to um, love of chickens in, in, <laughs> oh, more, in more than a platonic way. <laughs> oh, man. Whoa. Okay. Um, so the movie debuted on USA Up All Night on January 7th, 1989, as the second film of the night, sandwiched in between Cheerleaders Beach Party. It would air later that year on June 3rd, this time the double feature as the first and third movie of the night, and it would appear a fourth and final time again in 1989, this time October 21st. So whoever was producing Up All Night in 89 really liked this movie. Yeah. Um, And like we said, the movie is available on Amazon Prime and Tubi if you want to check it out, want to watch it again, watch it for the first time. And Rob, let's break this sucker down. Um, so we open in family court and, (laughs) or did yours, I guess this could be the, my opening credits were a narrated by Uh, God and an angel. Okay. Yeah. That's a little, yeah. 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 And a, and a chicken. I was really confused (laughs) at first with all the chicken references. And I believe this film had an alternate title released in england called cracked eggs i saw that as well yeah um but again it took a little while to figure out 
what was all the references to the chicken. Um, but yes, I got there's opening narration of, hey, we've got a problem down on Earth. Um, and they send an angel down to sort it all out. Okay. And then we open in family court for the palimony proceedings between Bill Andrews and Carol Griffiths. Um, so <laughs> hers and Kaufman are either going for laughs or trying to make a big social statement here in this court. It is packed with all sorts of characters, a cheerleader. I saw uh, two bowlers, a priest and a nun. I mean, and well, all... well, you got to give a rundown. I saw, yeah, yeah. cheerleader, soldiers, <laughs> baseball players, a football player, a cheerleader, uh, someone with a golf club wrapped around their head, so maybe a golfer, couple couple bowlers, a nun and a priest, and then a bunch of just you know random people. So teams and kind of partnerships that yeah. that typically I suppose would stay together is is the statement here by Kaufman and hers that you know especially in the in the early eighties the era of the chic divorce, right? Yeah. yeah big um, time. That, Hey, no one is staying together. Even the priests and nuns <laughs> are, are dueling it out. Cause yeah, I think the, did the nun punch the priest? Is yes. That what, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the Gahones, I, I do believe. Um, yeah. So yeah, th- this was, I mean, they, they come out swinging literally with all these characters fighting in, in court. Um, good stuff. A strong opening. Yes. Very strong yeah. opening. The judge presiding over the case is Judge Gabriel, who we mentioned earlier is, is uh, Professor Irwin Corey, um, who we discussed earlier. He says some unorthodox measures are needed and calls Bill and Carol to his private chambers. And unorthodox is what we get. The judge pulls out a Ken and Barbie doll <laughs> and throughout the movie just has these two fighting and bickering. At one point, Ken is stapling Barbie with his desk stapler. <laughs> yes. Uh, some really funny moments with the dolls, I thought, but sometimes maybe a bit too far, like with the stapling. What did what did you make of the yeah it dolls? Was, it, you know, just lended itself to the goofiness of of everything. You know, we were dealing with it. Such like, just every part of this movie is dripping of the eighties. Everything about it, all the, just the the Mel Brooks goofiness, that opening scene. Like they don't make movies that way anymore with that just instant chaos and then the the barbie dolls and him just just riffing and goofing i'm sure there's like footage on a floor somewhere of him doing all kinds of stuff and that's what ended up in the film so i i, I did chuckle but i thought at one point i was like okay all right we, we can put those away <laughs> in the documentary uh on cory uh a scene from Stuck on You makes it <laughs> in there. I think it's when he's putting the banana in the blender. Well, <laughs> uh, so in yeah, the whole banana. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, so Judge Gabriel tells the couple that palimony is a made-up concept by lawyers for when business is slow. So a pretty clever jab there. Yeah, I, I thought social jab. Yeah. Uh, the judge says, this is not a palimony issue, but a relationship problem. The same thing that's plagued couples since the dawn of time. And so we get our first of many flashbacks. This one to the caveman days and the hilarious imagined life of couples from that time. You've got a woman that's trying to tell a man that she has a headache and doesn't want to have sex, but they don't have language yet. So she's <laughs> uh, grunting. And- yeah. I thought Troma was really progressive here with the two gay characters, Bronto and Rock, Stone Age hairdressers who have come out of the cave, as they describe it. I love that line. You know, Troma always ahead of the curve here, making the statement that gay couples have been around since, you know, the Stone Age. Yep. So I like that. 
Uh, when we're back in the judge's chambers, Bill tells the judge that in the beginning, when they first got a house together, he and Carol couldn't keep their hands off each other, and it cuts to a hilarious sequence that, frankly, is so true of new couples, mm-hmm. right? Like, no matter what they do, it turns physical. They're in the kitchen and just start going at it. Uh, they're washing the windows, and then he, like, leans over and squirts Windex on the front of her T-shirt, and then they start going at it. Yeah. And it's all set to Love Will Keep Us Together by <laughs> Captain and Tennille. Which I was surprised, at, you know, to have a, a song like that in the in the film of, of such a, you know obscure sort of at the time film company and a, you know i have to imagine it was a fairly big song back then there's a huge chunk of your budget right there yeah, i imagine yeah. um there's a great bit of cinematography here too rob i love the scene where carol is ironing it must be in the summertime oh, both just sweating carol and bill yeah both drenched in sweat and then we get cuts back and forth to both of them and the camera is slowly zooming in closer and closer on each cut um really good stuff from Lloyd Kaufman who doubles as as director and cinematographer on the film and then that leads to a hilarious rooftop dance sequence with some <laughs> really bad lip syncing from Virginia Prince really bad yeah <laughs> that ends with and it's the great thing about trauma you don't know if it was purposely bad or <laughs> absolutely true. just didn't match up and then the scene ends with Bill tossing Carol off the roof accidentally um, overall I thought the movie was well shot. You know, Rob, we talked mm-hmm. about this in the last episode with Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama. So many low-budget movies skimp on either the camera, the a quality cinematographer, or sometimes both. But I feel like they hit on both here. It looks good. Pretty well shot. Did, yeah, did I, I agree completely. There there were definitely some some shots you don't expect in a film like this. Uh, we soon learn that one of the big problems in Bill and Carol's relationship is Bill's mother. And in this case, big problems come in, well, little packages. Little packages. <laughs> um, in another flashback to their relationship, Bill makes Carol dress up as his maid because he's afraid to tell his mom that he and Carol are living together. And when she rings the doorbell, they open the door and see like suitcases stacked to the top of the doorway. And then the camera tilts down and we meet Bill's mom, who's a little person. Yes. And um, a, a rather mean yes. <laughs> little person. I loved when Bill finally admits that Carol is not the maid and is living with her. Bill's mom does her best Fred Sanford impersonation. <laughs> oh, the palpitations, she screams. Um, and then gets <laughs> what is it's got to be like two gallons of milk poured on oh, her. Yes. <laughs> Because Carol was warming up the milk. (laughs) Why you need two gallons of warm milk, I'll never know. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, So we learn the meaning of the title of the film. Uh, I suppose in this kind of opening dialogue with the judge in the the judge's chambers, that's where we learn that that Bill is an inventor of sorts for a chicken factory and egg mm-hmm. factory trying to um increase the production rate of eggs from the chickens yes so he's he, he's, he's a regular worker i guess at the at the yeah at the plant but then he's got bigger dreams of of creating this invention so he's constantly working on this so um that was explained the chickens mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie and, and that um and then we learn the title of the film's uh origin in the next flashback the judge asks about their social life bill says oh they don't like to party but rather stay in and have philosophical discussions 
and one particular time they smoked some weed, painted each other's bodies, and talked about the 1960s. And while mixing the body paints, Bill used super glue, and when they started rolling around together, there you go. And then we get uh, one of our first of multiple <clears throat> stepbrothers moments where, you know, a couple is trying to move in next door, and here come <laughs> that is- Bill and Carol stuck together, <clears throat> you know, naked. And, you know, everything in the entire house is now stuck to them because of this glue. And they're kind of trying to make their way to the hospital while stuck together and have to venture out in front of the entire neighborhood. Just a hilarious scene. And I thought that same thing when I saw that his stepbrothers just stole that scene. (laughs) Yeah, they come out covered with just a, you know, a pizza box, a toilet seat. Somebody in the neighborhood mentions a tampon box when they walk by. Say, oh, look, Carol uses the same kind of tampons you do. (laughs) So that was really good. And then when we cut back to the judge's chamber, Bill and Carol are laughing about it before they, you know, oh, they realize they're having a good time together and then get Mm -hmm. serious again. So you, you see where the movie's heading. Uh, so yeah, this was one of my favorite scenes of the movie, the, the stuck on you scene. Now you mentioned that, um, you, you watched one of the trailers or maybe the only trailer for this and it, and it was a little misleading. Yeah, I definitely got the impression that, you know, and, and maybe some of this came because the name of the movie is stuck on you, that they would be stuck together for a much greater portion of the movie than they actually were. And, and I thought that was, and maybe, I, you know, as I said before, could be misremembering, but I thought maybe that was a condition the judge laid upon them that I'm going to stick you guys together and we're going to work this out. Yeah, I remember watching the trailer too, and I, I think I think that that's a correct assessment of what was expected, and then it ended up really <laughs> only being one scene, albeit yes. a hilarious yeah. scene, so... <laughs> Um, okay, so the film settles into a rhythm here, a flashback from Bill and Carol's relationship, and then a flashback to some well-known characters from the past and how they had relationship issues. Um, a vacation by Bill and Carol that was supposed to be private um, ended up on a ridiculously crowded beach. Um, <laughs> and uh, Carol imagines her wedding, and oh. we get um, an amazing Hasidic Jew rap. The rapping rabbis. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yes, I actually have that, and we'll close the episode out with Fantastic. with the rap from the rapping rabbis. Um, uh. Yeah, and uh, you know, Christopher Columbus, um, his wife and friends were crossing yeah. the Atlantic, not in Gosh. the Pinta, but a Pinto, as in the small car. And they were so like stereotypically Italian. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, that was that was really good stuff. Um, Rob, you and I have both been married for a long time, so I'm sure you appreciated the next sequence as much as I did. Carol tells the judge oh. that <laughs> you know exactly where I'm going. I do. <laughs> when she noticed Bill had some annoying habits, and we get a flashback to both of their issues um, with each other's everyday behavior as they kind of start mm-hmm. to realize them. Bill snacking in bed, Carol using his razor, Bill making a bunch of noise in the bathroom in the mornings, and my favorite, at breakfast, they're both annoyed with each other while he's slurping his cereal and she's incessantly clinking the spoon against her coffee cup and they both are just like giving it, giving out to each other. <laughs> and, yeah, the, the sequence that, you know, hit too close to home is he makes some additional just noises while 
eating, yeah. you know, like sniffles and this and that. And yeah, we, that's definitely been moments in my household where I just get a look and like told, can you make any more noises mm-hmm. that I find disgusting at the moment? <laughs> Uh, you know, it's funny. I love the style of this movie, Rob, because it's, you know, it's classic, you know, the Mel Brooks style, you know, not a spoof necessarily of other movies, just more observational in nature. I love the scene where Carol, they're getting dressed up to go to his boss's party oh. and she puts on her new designer jeans and they're beyond small, like child size. And well, the, did you catch the packaging you were into? <laughs> pre-lubricated? Yes. Yeah. It looks like like this massive condom wrapper <laughs> yeah uh, and then it, it takes them forever uh, eventually they called triple a and had a toe <laughs> yank the jeans onto her uh, just really good stuff throughout the the movie with stuff like that um the I, I loved the middle of the fight in their living room we get a freeze frame they both freeze and we get a twilight zone spoof. oh yeah we, yeah that one uh, i was surprised by that one the narrator is in the middle of their living room. Uh, Bill and Carol are frozen, but the baby chickens that Bill had brought home <laughs> continue hopping around everywhere. So even though they're frozen, the chickens are like all over the couch and everything. Uh, so some of the flashbacks were funny, uh, but some I thought missed the marks, including the Attila the Hun. Um, mm-hmm. The movie paints Attila as a simpleton, and I did find it funny that he was going to school and getting F's for pillaging and plundering. Yes, but I'm not sure what they were going here. Yeah, with. yeah. It they, didn't. It didn't sort of flow like the other ones did from the sort of what was currently happening with Bill and Carol into you know some sort of issue. Yeah. So what I did think was hilarious, and you referenced this earlier, Rob, was Bill's idea to make the chickens lay more eggs. He basically made a chicken adult film, complete with chicken bondage. Um, oh, deep cluck. Wa- oh, I, I... Walk us through this uh, this chicken stag film, would you please? Oh, I, I, I couldn't stop laughing. It, it, you know, it, it's called Deep Cluck, you know, and they set it up. And you, yeah, you get everything, chickens and, and bondage and like an assortment of sexual positions with two different chickens. And uh, it, it ends up getting the entire room, you know, all the chickens there in, in like, I don't know what you'd call it, like sort of a factory coop, you know, surrounded by chickens. But then all the people that are there, you know, that Bill's trying to impress his, his boss and other coworkers, they're all getting horned up too. And then the chi- it works. Uh, but it's, it works too well, and the chickens begin just launching eggs uh, everywhere in the room. Yeah, it, it, I I couldn't stop laughing either. Just the the teenager inside me, yes, <laughs> was was there for it. Well, and I do give kudos just to the whole setup when it, it cuts to black and the you know the title sequence and the, and the the intro credits happen. I was like, they're going for it here. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. did. And I, I really, that part uh, was a highlight of the film yes. in terms of laughter. And then uh, when everything goes south, uh, Bill is chased away from the factory. And on his way out, he's yelling things like, I'll take all the kinky parts out. And <laughs> in it, almost like a, a mini Benny Hill sequence. Yes. Yeah, I think it, I think at one point he yelled, it was only R-rated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just did. great. 
Um, all right, so Bill tries to make things right by inventing the egg inducer, a machine that can coax three eggs a day from a chicken instead of one. And for demonstration, Bill uses his boss's prized Polish hen. Um, one egg pops out of the machine, two eggs pop out, and then a chicken fried drumstick, a chicken breast, some KFC gravy packages shoot out of well, the I machine. Well, I mean, they obviously received some money from KFC because it was prevalent throughout the movie, you know, and showcased that it was KFC. I mean, that's the, it goes back to the start when they're recounting to the judge how they first met. Uh, uh, where in order to apologize for the chaos of what ensued when he right. brought live chickens to her offices as opposed to f- fried chickens, yes, uh, he right. returned later with KFC fried chicken as an apology. <laughs> Maybe that's where a lot of the nine million <laughs> came from. Um, yeah, just a, another over the top but hilarious scene. His boss is, you know mashed potatoes he yells at one point is is well and you you forgot to mention too that his boss's relationship with that prize chicken was not a normal one <laughs> yes not at all um all right so bill sees carol meeting with uh, a man and begins to follow her he wants to stay incognito so he dresses as this ridiculous <laughs> clown and you know that's he. They, they, he finally just decides to confront her and chases her until he finds her at a funeral, leading what I thought was also one of the funniest scenes of the movie. Agreed. He's trying to have a conversation with Carol in the middle of a funeral service, and dressed as this goofy clown, <laughs> yeah. and all of his clown gags keep going off. Uh, confetti shoots out all over the mourners. His lapel shoots water in Carol's face. A laughing machine goes off and he can't find the off switch, prompting the minister to, to yell, will you shut that thing off? And then Bill says, hold on, let me find the switch. And then there's this like this pause and you know you're waiting for it yep. to happen. And then the next gag comes off. Doves go flying out of the jacket. Uh, I loved this scene. And then it, it turns into the entire funeral laughing yes. as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it too. So after that fiasco, Bill and Carol finally break up and find themselves incredibly unlucky in love. Bill finds himself renting a phone booth, um, <laughs> a presumed crack on rising rent prices in New York at the time, I assume. <laughs> yes. um, and Carol faces all sorts of unwanted harassment as a single woman. Uh, Judge Gabriel says he finally understands the decision and will render his decision the following day. But wait... When they leave the chambers, Judge Gabriel slides off the nameplate on his desk to reveal Judge Dork. (laughs) And then he winks at us and disappears as the actual judge enters the chamber, returning from his lunch. So we know there's there's some shenanigans and it ties back to that beginning opening opening sequence. sequence, Um, So while sleeping, uh, while Carol and Bill are sleeping, we get the final hearing via a dream sequence where all the people that we've met through history join the courtroom for the final verdict. And I just want to say, Rob, from a visual standpoint, this is my favorite sequence of the film. Okay, I can see that, yeah. Smoke is rolling out from the floor. Judge Gabriel's bench is backlit with orange and smoke is also rising from behind it. Everybody's uh, everybody from the film that we've seen pretty much is gathered in the courtroom, but it's a really big space, so it's not cramped until in the end when they all kind of crowd in and it's yeah. supposed to be. 
It reminds me of our very first film, Joysticks, where there were some of the cutaway sequences that are far superior to the rest of the film. Yeah. Not that this is superior, but I think just it really stands out in the in the design of the of the scene. And I love you you referenced it earlier. I love Italian Christopher Columbus here, <laughs> played by Carl Sturmer. Um, he gets up and gives an impassioned speech. Uh, he says to Bill and Carol, he 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 starts with, "Hey, I'm Christopher Columbus. How you doing?" Yeah. Just so stereotypical. He made me chuckle every time, though, just because of how over the top it was. Yeah, he they were they were all great. He was fantastic as Christopher. It's Christopher Columbus, eh? Yeah. Uh, so two witnesses are called. Bill's boss from the chicken factory reveals that Bill was fired for sticking up for Carol, mm-hmm. um, and that the man Carol was meeting with in secret was actually her brother. And he reveals that he was going to invest in Bill's egg-inducing machine. So, the jury of historical characters find Bill and Carol guilty of murdering their love. (laughs) Pretty powerful sentence there. And uh, when they both awake, they run to each other and apologize, almost getting into an argument about who deserves the blame. Mm -hmm. And then they see the judge. He was actually a guardian angel, and he finally got his wings. He's there in front of the house with some wings. So get it, Judge Gabriel. Yes. Yes. Um, and here, Erwin Corey really reminds me of a present-day Bill Murray. I don't know if you... Okay, yeah. Just I with the silver that, yeah. hair kind yeah. of crazy and the way he's hamming it up mm-hmm. there in that final scene. Um, just reminded me of, of later Bill Murray and, and just both physically and with the, with the comedy stylings. So our happy couple lives happily ever after. Um, Rob, final thoughts on the way Stuck On You wrapped up here? I mean, you could see it coming a mile away, yeah. but but I enjoyed the film overall. I, I had a lot of fun with this one, and you know there are definitely moments peppered throughout that you know I think would make anybody laugh. Uh, so I yeah. What did you think of that final sequence in the courtroom? Oh, I thought it was it was effective and fun, and and uh, I you know I, just a different way to to take it to turn it into this sort of dream sequence, and. Uh, you know, bring back the historical characters. You know, it's it's a successful story. You know, it makes makes the arc and comes back around and reconnects everything. So I always appreciate that. You know, like our last film, um, Sorority Babes and the Slimeball yes. Bolorama, I thought that you know, with a a, a bigger budget and some uh, uh, tweaking to the script here, you'd have yourself a a tradition. You could have a, a traditional, you know comedy romance film yeah yeah you know meant for a wider audience beyond you know trauma dedicated mm-hmm. uh fans here so real, real or nice you job. you i don't know uh tweak some of it slightly and you end up with something more akin to to airplane and yeah you know, a, a bigger success story. yes yeah um <clears throat> all right so you know what we think but what do others think of the movie rob you never know what to expect with no. reviews of trauma films, and because this is one of their early films, early ones, I'm yeah. not surprised that it doesn't have a tomato meter score. Mm. But as um, as is with other trauma films, it does have quite a few audience reviews, more than a thousand, in fact. Wow. So, Rob, as we do each and every episode, I'll ask you, from 1 to 100, what do you think the audience score is for Stuck on You on Rotten Tomatoes? 
I'll go 55. So I'm not shocked by this rating, and I'll share why in a minute. Stuck on You received a Rotten Tomato audience score of 33%. Oh, what? Yeah. Get out. Here are a few reviews of the movie. Sean W. gives it one out of five stars and writes... A judge sorts out a couple's problems in divorce court, a poor man's airplane-style comedy, a very poor man indeed. The Napoleon bit was particularly lame. Still, this is a better trauma effort than the first turn-on. So, I, I have serious issues with that review. The Napoleon bit was an homage to Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Automatic win right there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, pretty harsh here from Sean W. I mean, at least a nice reference to another trauma film. So you, you do get a little street cred there, but uh, <laughs> but obviously not a fan of Blazing Saddles. Disappointing, yeah. Uh, okay, so Michael W. gives it one and a half star, writing, Battling couple in palimony suit is brought to the judge's chambers to settle their differences. Fair send-up of It's a Wonderful Life opening and certainly <laughs> not the bottom of the trauma team barrel, but it's hardly... An endorsement of this picture, Rob. I like that comparison to the "It's a Wonderful Life" yeah. opening here. Uh, yeah. Not one I would have made myself, but I—I I mean, I get it. I see it. I, again, I have to take issue. He's saying it's only one and a half stars, and it's not the bottom of their barrel. <laughs> like, geez. <laughs> I, I, you wonder where some of these people come. You came to Rotten Tomatoes to review a trauma film, only to tear it down and. And tear all the trauma And down. tear all yeah. the trauma films down. Interesting. All right. So super reviewer Cassandra M. is kinder to the film, giving it three and a half stars, writing, I guess people don't like this one based on the scores it received. I really like it. To me, it is the classic B comedy movie. There are parts that are just uproariously funny. It's a low-budget comedy filled with sight gags, physical comedy, the requisite B movie nudity, etc. Check it out. So... Um, super reviewer Cassandra digs it. What yep. say you, Rob? Is Stuck on You worth staying up all night for? I, I think 100%. So, you know, it checks all the, like, goofy 80, 80s boxes. You know, either you're going to up all night for weird, you know, creature feature horror movies that you wouldn't see otherwise, or just comedies like this that, you know, as Cassandra just said, you know, check the scenes that are just hilarious and then you've got your requisite nudity and you know that's what you showed up to usa all up all night for and this one you know would deliver in those instances i agree i do think that it's staying worth all night for but with a caveat knowing that the homage uh this movie pays to mel brooks is probably something you should know going in if you're not a fan of mel brooks if you don't like that style you're not gonna like this one it's i know it's an acquired taste and that's fine it's a specific kind of subgenre of movies um you know satire not quite a spoof um if you are a fan of mel brooks movies or just silly comedy this is definitely a movie worth staying up all night for it's fun lighthearted. it's an easy watch even at an hour and a half it, it flew by some parts you'll find hilarious some gags might not land but you'll certainly laugh enough to enjoy it the chicken porn scene is worth <laughs> it to watch this movie 
Uh, and then there's some other parts too that are just really good. Well, I think that's just it with this style of movie where, you know, one joke may not land. It's followed up by five more jokes within the next 30 seconds anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Still Up All Night and Trauma's Stuck on You, the third of their four part sexy box series, a tetralogy, if you will. <laughs> That, Rob, is what comes after a trilogy. Did you know that? I, I, I'm sure I did, but I, I don't think I've ever heard it verbalized. Tetralogy. <laughs> Tetralogy. There you go. Keep tuning in to Still Up All Night. We'll teach you things. <laughs> and as always, if you have a movie that you loved watching on USA Up All Night, let us know. We might just make it our next episode. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Still Up Podcast. And remember... The next time you eat an egg, you never know what that chicken that hatched the egg was watching. It might have been Chicken Skinamax. Chicken Max? Is that a thing? Sure. We'll leave you with music from Carol Griffith's dream wedding song. I'm not making that up. It's from the movie. It's the Rapping Rabbis. We'll see you next time. Since it was just in my imagination, it was the most beautiful wedding ever. I'm cool, not a fool, I'm the best there is When I walk down the street, nobody else exists If I'm at a party, best to get your lady Cause it's for the women that God didn't make me I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee My wang, you rang, it's as big as a tree No woman alive could ever make me drop Cause when I break them open, you can hear them pop They say he's cool, there's nobody found me He owns the women from here to China Good night Saturday night when this lady left the man and I had to fight. It was over in a second when I put the sucker out and just for good measure landed one in her jaw. 86 that place with the cops on my tail. I pulled out my revolver. No way I'd go to jail. We were screaming down the street, shooting at the lights. Then I shot him in the engine and I said good night.